so I watched this episode like a week ago, so we're gonna see how much I remember. Of it. Okay. Okay. I don't remember very much. That's okay. I don't really either because I watched it in pieces. So we'll see how this goes. I'm sure it'll all come screaming back, <laughs> but Okay. Can I can I ask a question? Uh-huh. Can we do an announcement on here about Yeah. Sure. Can we? Okay. Yeah. I am expecting a baby girl. Yay! Uh, at the beginning of February next year. So, yeah, there will be maybe a hiatus in podcasting. I don't know. <laughs> or, or you're going to be so bored that you're just going to be like, let me do something other than nurse this baby. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. In high school, we were best friends. And now that we're old, we're still best friends. And we both really love the show Friends. We love it so much that we thought we'd rewatch it together and tell you all about it. So join us to find out all the details that two people who weren't there can find out from the internet. Could there be better friends watching Friends? Yeah, very exciting. First baby. I'm so excited for you. You're going to be the most wonderful mom. (laughs) And Ellie is going to be so excited to have a little cousin friend. That's yeah. a girl. That's a girl. Got boys. Oh yeah, on both sides, boys. Yep. She's wow. The only one, so she'll need a friend. One of our clients told me he's nine. We have like all women in our office except one guy, and he was like, "Man, you need to get some more guys in your office because he's really girl trapped." <laughs> so I never heard that before. So Ellie's really boy trapped for sure. All right. Well, on to our on to our episode. You want to do trivia first? Oh yeah, let's do yeah. let's do trivia first. Okay. Are you ready? Are you? It's been a little while. I know, and I've been like on a little bit of a hiatus from watching Friends, so I, I'm feeling kind of rusty. Okay. Do some stretches. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. Okay. What tennis player does Ross's dad think has quite a tush? That's a quote. Quite a tush. Um, Anna Kova, la la la. Kornikova? Kornikova, yes. Not, no. Oh, darn it. <laughs> Steffi Graf. Graf. Oh, I, I think Anna Kornikova is a little later than Friends time. Okay, when Monica hurts her eye, what doctor is on call to treat her? Um, Richard's son. Mm-hmm. Do you it's... know his name by any chance? Oh my goodness. No. It's Dr. Tim Burke, but it also says Richard's son, so you still Okay. Okay. I wouldn't have known Tim. Okay, what was Ursula's stalker's name? Oh my goodness. Her stalker. I'll give you a hint. I can I can picture him. He was played by David Arquette. I don't know his name. I wouldn't either. It's Malcolm. (laughs) No idea. No idea. (laughs) Um, How much money? Oh, I think this is one we've done. Um, How much money did Phoebe give Chandler to stop smoking? $700. $7,000? exactly. (laughs) We weren't done talking yet. Yeah. (laughs) We're done listing the zeros. Yes. I was I was like how many zeros is it I don't remember what uh, you know what I I totally overthunk it in the moment in the moment because I was like how, what could they afford to even like say yeah 
in their early 20s, what would be an, a, an, a crazy amount of money? And I was like, $700 sounds like a lot, but $7,000 is way too much money to offer anybody in your 20s. Do you remember why, though, she had $7,000? Yes, because she got it from the bank, the bank uh, mistakes to her bank account, right? Yeah. It was that episode, but was it from the thumb? She got money from... Oh, she got money from the thumb, but then there was... It was all like this extra karma, too, that like she got credited extra money because they made a mistake, so it was on top of the thumb money, too. And a football thumb. And a football thumb. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, this is a good one. Um, What is the name of Joey's sailboat? I have no idea. The Mr. Beaumont. I did not. I have no, no clue. No. no, I don't remember that at all. They're at the coffee shop and he jumps up and he's like, the Mr. Beaumont is here. <laughs> no, nope. but I, I want to say Mr. Beaumont was actually like the, the person who was supposed to win it or something. And he like thought that was the name of the boat, but it was like <laughs> was actually bidding or something. That's even better. I thought just because it sounds like boat. Beaumont. Oh, that could be too. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. Well, this is season one, episode 15, the one with the stoned guy. It aired on February 16th, 1995. And it was written by Kaufman Crane and Greenstein, directed by Alan Meyerson. I have quite a few facts to kick us off. Okay. Mostly having to do with John Lovitz, because he is the stoned guy. First off, John Lovitz plays the stoned guy, and he was one of the first big, big stars to be a guest star on Friends. And he was actually Lisa Kudrow's brother's childhood friend, which I thought was so delightful. John Lovitz appears to be so, so, so much older than all of them in the show. I was like, how old is her brother that they're friends? Or is John Lovitz just look that way? I think he just has one of those faces that like looks aged. <laughs> he was born looking how old he is, like Steve Martin. Basically. Yeah, yeah. No, but he just, he just has like such a caricature face that you it's kind of hard to tell how old he really is. But in an interview, he shared that he was good friends and he like, was a friend of the family so he like followed Lisa Kudrow's career and she actually asked him when friends started if he would ever consider being a guest star like even before it really kind of ramped up and he was like yeah sure let's like let's do it and he had also previously starred with Courtney Cox in 1988 in I don't know what I did not do any further research, but he he did a project with Courtney Cox. Um, so he had multiple connections to different cast members. So it was really kind of an easy gig for him. He, he was like the first big, big shot guest star where they had to, in production, they had to actually go back and reshoot some of his lines and scenes because he got such a big audience reaction that they couldn't use the footage. It was like too hysterical and like too much, too much clapping and cheering. That's good. So they started using um, like non-audience, live audience takes 
with bigger guest stars like Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts just so that they could get through scenes. My other just little tidbit about John Lovitz was that this was the only one, this was one of two of his guest appearances as the same character. So he returns all the way back in season nine, episode 14, when in the one with the blind dates where he's set up on a blind date with Rachel by Phoebe. So I was thinking about this and I was like, he is still a client of Phoebe's. Like nine years later, he's still going to see her. <laughs> How can he afford that? Because when he goes out with Rachel, I mean, here seemingly he's successful. He's opening a restaurant. I don't know what, but then when in the next like time we see him, he's like super broke, like lives in a, what does he say? Oh, he has like five dudes that he lives with in his studio <laughs> <Yeah>. apartment. <laughs> and he produces custom t-shirt text prints. Yeah, but he can still afford those massages. Yeah. Gotta have self-care. It's important. It's kind of fun to see. He's like the perfect rock bottom character. I did also read that a clip of this episode appears in a Discover Card commercial. I saw that too, and I and I searched for it and I was I couldn't find anything. I wanted to see it and see what clip did they use to sell a credit card? Right. Yeah. <laughs> my other fact was just kind of an oh my god realization. And I did not even pick up the fact that Melora Hardin, who is Jan from The Office, played Celia. I did not even recognize her. And when I saw that, I'm like, where where was where was Melora? Oh, you didn't recognize her, like, the whole thing? No. Oh, wow. I didn't, I like, did not even place her. Well, we'll get to it, but I didn't recognize, because I, I, like, pause it as new people come on, on the screen. I pause it and look them up, like, who played this person? And um, when she first comes on, she's got the monkey hanging from her hair, and she's just, like, jumping up and down, so you can't really see her face well. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, who plays Ross's date? And then it was, like, Laura Harden, and I was like, what wait and so then I played it more and then you could I could well when she when she starts with the with the sexy talk I'm like oh yeah there's Jan (laughs) (laughs) one of my all-time favorite characters from the office like across the season I love her so much I love when they have the baby shower and she's just singing away (laughs) So good. She's like, I'm going to go take a nap in the conference room. Okay, the only other thing I found was that Marcel the monkey and Gunther are both uncredited in this episode, but they both make appearances. Oh. And Marcel is played by Katie. Yes. Um, So Katie and Gunther are both not credited, even though they are there. I didn't even notice when Gunther was around. So He has a ton of uncredited episodes in the beginning. He's just in the background. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah. The monkey was acting her heart out, holding on to that oh, hair, and she didn't man. get it. If I was Melora Hardin, I would be so freaked out by that. She, lo- she looked genuinely scared. She did. <laughs> I have all these articles that Google suggests to me now because it listens to everything I do. And um, one of them is about the monkey. It's from July 6th of this year. And it's the monkey trainer hits back at David Schwimmer for bad-mouthing <gasps> his Simeon co-star. And the trainer said, let it go. Oh, spicy. <laughs> so this is from the reunion, right? When he's talking about how much he hates the monkey. Yeah. So the trainer was Mike Morris, 
And he says there's a different explanation. Like it wasn't that the monkey was difficult to work with and didn't do its job right. The trainer says Schwimmer was just jealous of the monkey. He said, this is just my opinion, but the first couple episodes, Schwimmer was pretty friendly with the monkey. And after that, the monkey was getting lots of laughs and either it was throwing him off or he was getting a little jealous. Morris worked on about five episodes of Friends. And he said, I don't know. It's one of those two things. In response to Schwimmer's comments that the trainers wouldn't let him bond with the monkey, the trainer said, it's true that we prefer the actors don't become too friendly with the monkey. An actor is a prop to the monkey and has to work with the prop. We don't want them to become friends because then the monkeys think, oh, it's my friend. I don't have to work. They just want to go hang out with their friend instead of doing what they're supposed to do. And it's not out of spite or malice. That part makes sense to me that if like you're if the monkey is making fr- friends with the co-stars, it's not going to listen to its trainer. Right. Yeah. So but I think this guy has a little bit of like monkey bias. Yeah. So he said that the monkey recently died of cancer. Oh, Oh, sorry. I guess there were two monkeys, Katie and then Monkey. And Monkey recently died of cancer. Um, And the trainer said, so Schwimmer was talking ill of the dead when he made those comments on the reunion. And he said he's never watched Friends or the reunion because of David Schwimmer. Oh, my God. (laughs) He said, I find it despicable for him to still be speaking ill of her. Him still talking ill about the monkey all these years later seems pretty childish to me. It was one season 25 years ago. It's time to let it go. I think this guy is holding on to some uh, some monkey hurt. They all need to go to some group therapy together. <laughs> yeah. There's some things to unpack there with this guy's so. attachment to his monkeys. Do you have a summary? I do have a summary. I knew you would. Okay, this one is full-blown, homegrown written, so (gasps) be kind. Chandler is fed up at his job and calls it quits to pursue his dream, only to take aptitude tests that proves he is meant for a job in data processing and analysis. Phoebe connects Monica with a massage client who is opening a restaurant and looking for a chef. While Monica creates a tasting menu for the restaurant mogul, they realize that he arrives under an herbal influence and hijinks ensue. Meanwhile, Joey coaches Ross in the delicate art of the dirty talk. That really sums it up. <laughs> I like your your herbal influence. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the cousin shampoo to herbal essences. Uh-huh. Did you ever use herbal essences in the 90s? Oh, so many times. I used oh all God. the flavors. It smelled so good. So I, I have a like visual memory of particularly of like one of the pink bottles mm-hmm. with the the rose. And I still remember the smell, mm-hmm. like the flowery, rosy. Mm-hmm. And it was so good. The green lid. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. It was probably terrible for your hair. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's got lots of chemicals. <laughs> it's like $2 a bottle. <laughs> yeah. But it smelled so good. Are we ready okay. to go to our opening scene? Let's jump in. Okay, all I wrote was pretty short opener, Rachel bad at her job, yada, yada. I like your reference, yada, 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 particularly because John Lovitz also guest starred on Seinfeld. Who was he on Seinfeld? Remind me. I don't even remember, oh, but I, I know <laughs> I, I did some really like shoddy research on this. I just rem- I have the 10 seasons on DVD and I remember he was in one of them. He was in episode 
13 of season six, The Scofflaw. Oh, their friend Gary, who never had cancer, he wears the um, toupee, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He have cancer so he can get, to, like, a uh-huh. membership for toupees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh, I love Seinfeld. For, so two things about the opening. Also super short, but, like, I love Rachel's little blue flannel that she's wearing. I thought it was super cute. And the only other thing that I noticed was just, like, Monica orders a cider. Like, who is she? Yeah. What time of year is it? Like I don't know. What day, time of day? It's February. So I guess it's cold. It's, I don't know. A cider? I don't understand. I don't get it. I, I, I was also kind of like, I don't know, maybe I was in a bad pregnant mood when I watched <laughs> it. But I was like, okay, we get it. She's bad at her job. Like, how long does this joke go for? Like, ha ha, she sucks. Okay. Well, I do think it sets it up. Just a little maybe um, reference for later when Monica doesn't hire or think about her for the waitressing job. It just kind of like is a little precursor, but it, it is it is a tired joke. I mean, putting a pencil in a cup and not noticing and like then licking it and taking it out and putting cinnamon stick from your hair in the cup. Like these have to be common sense things, right? Or... I also feel just in the era of COVID, it's extremely unhygienic <laughs> all the way around. I would never lick a pencil or put a cinnamon stick in my hair and then put it in someone's cider, even if I love them dearly. I would never even use a pencil. That gives me like chills in my skin. I can't handle the thought of the sound of a pencil like rubbing on my skin or on paper. I don't like it. I didn't know you were averse to pencils. Yeah, I used to only use mechanical pencils. I feel like mechanical pencils are squeakier. I don't mind the squeak. It's just the like, I don't know. It's something about like the wood of the pencil touching my skin or like the way it, so, uh, sometimes if the lead's too short and it like scrapes. Also, is it kind of like dustier? A little bit. Like there's like, cause it's the pen, like pencil shavings. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Sorry. It's okay. We're doing, going real deep on pencils. <laughs> Um, but only specific pens. Then I get really particular about pens. Anyway, I clearly have a lot of <laughs> neuroses. We've established this already. No, you are you just know what you like. That's true. That's a great way to reframe it. Thank you. <laughs> we cut to Chandler's office after the credits. And there's some new background stuff. There's a huge new background thing. <laughs> like You can't not see it. The hamburger? Picking up the whole desk. I was like, what, what is its function? What, what do you do, the giant hamburger? Yeah, are you just there to be aesthetically pleasing? That's my guess. <laughs> it's not. But no. I also don't know if the rubber chicken was new, but I was very distracted by the rubber chicken also. Well, it was like hanging by its neck on something. Uh-huh. It looked like a guitar stand or something, or like a holder. I don't know what it was hanging there for, but... I mean, it clearly had to be there so that he could rip it down and be like, I don't throw jokes. But I do love how he's just typing randomly. Like, and drinking his coffee, he's just, like, banging on his keyboard. <laughs> like, <laughs> Work stuff. <laughs> yeah. He's so good at his job. So then we have Mrs. Tedlock comes in, and she's played by Fritzy Burr. Do you want to know about her? Yeah, other, other than the fact that she has uh, very flattering sleeve lengths. Oh, man, I am so excited. I may vomit. 
Is that true or sarcasm? No, that's what he compliments her on. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was a fashion commentary. It was a weird length of sleeve. It was like <laughs> mid forearm. No. Like a little too short or like a little too long to be three quarter, which is flattering on nobody. <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like that was a style in those like kind of tight v-neck shirts in the 90s that we wore that were like stretchy they would go to like it wasn't a t-shirt but it wasn't past your elbow oh I took my senior portrait in one of those (laughs) it was like an extended sleeve (laughs) extended tee oh the blue one Uh uh-huh you totally remember I remember oh you're the best I had everyone's senior portrait like that's what I looked at all the time um, like in college, had them on my wall. That also didn't look quite like anyone you knew because they were touched up so much. <laughs> so airbrushed. Yeah. So Fritzi Burr, she worked regularly in small theaters and dinner theaters and in touring companies of such musicals as Fiddler on the Roof. She moved to Hollywood and found steady work as a character actress in movies and on TV. She was in Stanford and Son. She was the sister-in-law of the producer of Stanford and Son. Oh. She was also in Golden Girls, Frasier, and Seinfeld, and appeared in the original Odd Couple, which Matthew Perry was in the remake of later. And that's not the first time the Odd Couple's come up. I feel like it came up in the last one, too. Yeah. She played four different characters on Friends. She was in the one with Barry and Mindy's wedding, this one, the one where Ross finds out, and the one where Nana dies twice, and she's uncredited in those last two. Oh, I wonder what she was who she played in the one where Nana dies twice. I know, because we did that one. She must have been one of the background characters at the wake. Oh, probably. Yeah. Or like a weird random hospital person walking by. Mm-hmm. She uh, was born in 1924 and sadly passed away in 03. But I thought Chandler was so polite to her. No sarcasm. He was like, seemed genuinely nice to her. Yeah. Yeah. And was tr- like trying to hide his hijinks. Yeah. Like work charm Chandler. Yeah. Um, but his boss wants to see him at the end of the day, which to me is like, red flag, red flag. I'm going to get fired. Right. He seems unconcerned. Well, it is a temp job. Supposedly. Yeah. Yes. So then we go to the coffee shop and Phoebe comes in. She kind of flurries in to warn everyone to act excited about Chandler's exciting news. But <laughs> is a little too late. She runs out of time. This may be um, a controversial stance, but her coat is basically like the floor-length prototype of a sweater I want to live in. (laughs) Like, it's like... like I need to hear that sentence twice to understand. (laughs) So, it's a little... It's too long. Like, her her sweater is like... Or her coat is like a floor-length, big, giant coat. But it's one of those, like... I don't know, it has like a Aztec-y pattern to it. And so it's like one of those sweaters, like our friend Kathleen wears mm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, they're so cozy. It reminded me of just like those kinds of sweaters that I just want to wear all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was much longer. <laughs> like a blanket sweater. Yes, yes. Well, then Chandler comes in um, announcing he got a raise and wants to quit because he was never supposed to be something permanent. It was just supposed to be a temp job. He wasn't supposed to be good at it. He doesn't want to get stuck. 
but it's been five years. Like even on the office, Ryan was not a temp after five years. Like this is true. He'd already become like a corporate guy. It made me start thinking though, just his being in his headspace. And I wanted to ask, have you ever had like a Chandler moment where you thought that you were in a job so long that you were like, oh, like this, this who I am now? I feel like I actually talked about this in therapy with my therapist a couple weeks ago of how like, I think I get really uncomfortable being in something that's comfortable. So I tend to change my jobs like every two to three years. And so I've never really been, I mean, I've been a nanny for a long, long time, but that was kind of for multiple families. So I haven't, I think I like go the opposite. I'm like, if I start getting comfortable, I bail. Yeah. I think the only time that I felt like this was just when I knew that I wanted to go into education, but I still had to support myself in some way. So I leaned on waitressing and bartending and I was just like, I tried to, I tried to do what you did, what you're talking about. Like, oh, I'm going to try something a little bit different, but within the same realm. So I'd be like, I'll be a cocktail waitress. Oh, I'll be like, I'll try a little bit working behind the scenes in the kitchen. Like, oh, now I want to bartend, but it was always serving and I was just like, oh, my God, I'm like 30 and I'm a server and I'm over it. I've done this for over 10 years. Like, I can't do it anymore. And I knew that I had an out, but I didn't know when because the tips were good. Right. <laughs> too. And so I kept kind of coming back being like, I'll just do it a little longer. That's so- kind of where I got to with nannying. I was kind of like, well, the money's really good and it's like fairly stable and but also I was like I'm just like watching everybody others everybody else's kids so that they can live their life and I'm just like stagnant and not Mm -hmm. doing anything so yeah I kind of and then of course as soon as I left it I was like so glad to not have anyone touching me all day and like just be in a clean place you know (laughs) I like there was less frustration around like naps and stuff and then I like immediately when I was in an office was like I miss the freedom of nanny yeah even when I went into education it was like oh I'm gonna teach I want to teach high school no I'm gonna try middle school no I'm gonna try independent study no I want to be a curriculum coach (laughs) or like an online special so it's I do the same thing where I'm like I'm not like, I'll like get kind of good at something and then be like, no, nah, I need to try something else. <laughs> Let's blow this up and start over. Which I think is good because then you're a learner. It's true. It's also a really common reaction to trauma. Oh. Like comfort is really uncomfortable. Like being just settled into something is really mm. just disconcerting. And so you kind of just like blow things up because you're like, this feels strange and stable and like, I don't know how to function in like calmness so oh you're making me rethink a lot of things right now (laughs) I didn't realize that until like three weeks ago so so yeah I I think that trying new things is good but Chandler feels stuck in the weenus the funny thing about the weenus I don't know if you read this this is the only episode where the s stands for something different than every other episode they mentioned the weenus in yeah can you tell us what it stands for? In this one, he says system. And in every other episode, he says statistics. Oh. So. I feel like the weenus would be a system, though. Well, it is a system. <laughs> but is there anything there? 
Probably. I have a fun fact about weenuses. Oh my. Okay. Can I I share with you? It's not, it's not what you think at all. So there is an actual part of the body called a weenus. It is a slang word for the excess skin on the joint of your elbow. That has a name? This is a weenus. Gross. Isn't it so gross? I hate it. Oh my gosh. Does it ever like, if you pull it, does it ever just stay? Yeah. Oh, it's so gross. Mine get really, really dark in the summer. Uh-huh. Yours change color. A little bit. Not. It doesn't get like terribly dark probably a result from like using baby oil as teenagers to lay out in the sun i remember one of our friends once asked me what's wrong with your elbows oh no never i never thought about them until then and now like the rest of my life i'm like self-conscious like is it too dark and i'm like constantly moisturizing well because you never look at your elbows you can't see them (laughs) don't be self-conscious about your weenus sarah it's okay Phoebe is like telling Chandler that she has the perfect job opportunity for him. I feel like in this episode, they go a little far with the ditzy Phoebe. Yeah. Like it's just a little too much. Like in this, this, she's not dumb. It's haha. It's funny. Like she's like, oh, I'm trying to help my friend by getting him a job. But like, come on. It, it does kind of go back to something you've said before, though, that she is like her and Joey take things like very at like logically and so maybe yeah. she, like it really would didn't even because she's like I know a job my friend needs a job and it's yeah it's just like those two pieces that's all I'm thinking about but that's true yeah I was just kind of like the opening I was just kind of like haha dumb Phoebe okay we get it yeah and Monica is jealous and then we go to Monica's apartment have you noticed that Rachel's hair looks like a giant heart around her face is this the like awkward growing out of the Rachel? Yeah, it's like it like goes around, like up and around and down to a point where they want to like each side wants to touch under her That's chin. That's why no one could do that hair. Like everyone who got that haircut couldn't make it look like that because no. you need like 10 round brushes and like eight people to do it. Yeah, it's <laughs> blowing out like that. Even even Jennifer Aniston mentioned that she couldn't handle that haircut unless she had the, that many people in equipment. Yeah. She does look cute, though. Her outfit, like, mm-hmm. away from the hair, looked cute. But Phoebe's wearing all velvet, which was too much. And Ross's yeah. sweater is yet again swallowing his body. <laughs> and then Ross is going on a date with a non-Puma. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Can I, can I just tell you something about Joey's suggestion to go to Tony's, where the 32-ounce steak is free if you eat it all? Yeah. So I, I did a little research. Are you curious about how many calories is in a 32-ounce steak? Okay. Let me guess. Guess. It's got to be like 10,000. Is that too high? It's way too high. <laughs> 3,000. 2,286. So 2,286. Okay. Which I was like... That's, I don't even know what a 32 ounce steak, like how physically big it is. It's, well, cause like we just went somewhere recently and the people at the table next to us ordered 16 ounce steaks and they each left half on their plate when they left. It was like, I feel like that's like what a T-bone, if you picture a T-bone. 
Okay. I mean, I might be wrong, but that's you, what I picture. You know, like, a healthy serving of meat is, like, three ounces. <laughs> Just, like, three shot glasses of meat. So that's exactly what I was equating it to. I'm like, how much is 32 shot glasses of meat? <laughs> Somehow. Um, oh, that's so gross. So, also, do you know how many grams of fat and protein? This oh. like this blew my mind for some reason. There's got to be a ton of protein. A ton. Okay, in a 32 ounce steak, there's 136 grams of fat, oh. which I was like, oh dear God. And 247 grams of protein, which I'm like, I have never seen on any kind of nutrition label ever for anything. That's a lot. If you think of like a power bar or like a protein bar, they're like seven or nine grams of protein. So, so I've like the builder bars from that we get that we've gotten from Costco are a lot and it's 20 grams oh. in a single bar. And they're like, you can take, you can, the, the protein is palatable yes those are the ones you're like should i eat this whole thing or should i eat half and wrap it up because this is like eating a brick always eat half and it's so chalky yeah but i couldn't i was like what does 247 grams of protein even do to your body yeah nobody needs that that's horrifying anyway i just wanted to throw out that fun fact gross there's there's a lot of I'm like been disgusted since we started talking. I'm so sorry. Between <laughs> the pencil and the steak fat and the whatever else we talked about. Oh, I talked about my cat's surgery. Oh, dislocated cat <laughs> hips, putting them together, sawing <laughs> through bone. Oh my god. Oh, it's all fun stuff. Ross, no woman wants to go back to your place to meet your monkey. He's so awkward during this whole exchange. And also, I wanted to tell Joey, like, a monkey is not a chick magnet. Definitely not. No. And then uh, I do love that it just cuts immediately to Marcel just attacking. The absolute worst. Oh, my God. And then that's when we have Jan from The Office. Mm Mm-hmm. Celia, the insect curator. Oh, I love her. You want to know about Melora outside of the office? Yes, because I don't know much about her outside of Jan Levinson Gould. Me either. I assumed that she could sing just based on her playing Jan. But she, okay, she started acting in 1977. She's been in over 70 movies and TV shows since. And you'll like this. She starred as Baby in the short-lived 1988 television series Dirty Dancing based on the movie. She was originally cast in Back to the Future as Jennifer Parker alongside Eric Stoltz, who was going to play Marty McFly, but he was fired um, shortly before filming began and replaced with Michael J. Fox. And when that happened, they said that Melora was too tall to star alongside Fox, and so she got replaced. (gasps) That's a bummer. Yeah. Oh. She could have probably been good playing off Michael J. Fox. That could have been Yeah. It would probably have been even funnier if she was much 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 taller yeah but that was back in you know like yeah patriarchy whatever anyway <laughs> we like tall girls my baby's gonna be so tall oh my gosh your baby's gonna be the tallest she's gonna be so she's gonna play so much volleyball god i i may have said this to you already but i just picture her as like you know how like when deer are born it's just like a bunch of legs coming out oh yeah 
like four long limbs. Picture the baby just like coming out with like limbs. It's just limbs and a head. Yes. It's going to be a rough middle school, uh, rough middle school years, but ultimately it'll be good. I have to save my pants for her now because (laughs) I was wearing my mom's clothes when I was in middle school. Like we were sharing shoes. So Melora played Fontaine in Les Mis at the Hollywood Bowl in 2008. Oh. And later that same year, she made her Broadway debut as Roxy in Chicago. Oh my gosh. She legit can sing and has. Mm -hmm. She sang the U.S. National Anthem at the Anaheim Ducks season opening hockey game in 2010. And then three days later, sang the anthem for the Phoenix Coyotes. And then she also sang the anthem at the Dover International Speedway in 2011. Um, and then she was on also The Love Boat, Different Strokes, Magnum P.I., Little House on the Prairie, The Rocketeer. Remember that movie? I loved that movie. Uh, Quantum Leap, Murder, She Wrote, Caroline in the City, Monk, 27 Dresses, Family Guy, Gilmore Girls, Yo Gabba Gabba, Transparent, Thank You for Smoking, and of course, The Office. That's a good, that's a good list. Also, I noticed right after this scene that this episode cuts to six different places in the first seven minutes we have six different scenes cuts i feel like this director i don't think we've seen him before and i didn't really do any much like any research on what he's what else he's done but it was like very quick paced it was very different feel than other episodes yeah it was real jumpy it felt really like disjointed i just kept being like oh my god a new scene okay a new scene okay we're here we're here and I think we cut again right here, right? To Monica's apartment. Yep. When Chandler comes back in looking all like disheveled because he's been at his career counselor all day <laughs> and finds out only that his aptitude test shows that he's suited for a career in data processing, which is his job that he just quit. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever taken an aptitude test or, or like gone to a career counselor or anything like that? No. Uh, so I remember taking an aptitude test in Miss Minch's class. Um, and I think it was it was in conjunction with the Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. Like we took Myers-Briggs and then we took an aptitude test and nothing really wonderful came out of it. I do want to say something funny about the Myers-Briggs thing, though, because in high school, I was like, oh, I am an ENTP and I like lived that. I was like, I am, that is who I am. I, and then I recently, maybe a year ago or two years ago, took it. I'm like completely opposite from an ENTP. I'm an INFJ. I only have the N. But I, I just like, I looked at those two descriptions and I'm like, these are completely different. How was I so off base? Well, maybe you changed. Maybe you grew. Yeah, that's true. I was very, I, I have, I have a theory that every time, like every decade you shed, you shed like your personality mm-hmm. in some way. Cause you, you learn and you grow and you have new experiences. No, I'm just definitely not the person I was in high school. No, I, speaking of, I found a whole other treasure trove of high school things we wrote. I'm going to bring it all with me when I come. Oh man, we're going to have some fun. Here's just a small preview that I just noticed written on the back of this thing you wrote me. <laughs> You're so cold. Why don't you care? You're so cold. That's some quality lyrics. But Ashley, you wrote Y-O-U-R. Oh, no. 
Oh no, I'm so ashamed. You're so fired. (laughs) Oh no. I'm so embarrassed. Okay. It's okay. I'm not even embarrassed myself. No, it's not okay. I was in high school. That is not okay. Past Ashley. Personality. You've shed her. It's okay. So she's gone. I think also with the Myers Briggs, I feel like I probably played into certain answers, being like, like trying to play into like how depressed and angsty I was. Totally. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and also that like you didn't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You're depressed and angsty so much that you care, but really you don't care. Yeah. I don't yeah. believe in standardized tests, but like <laughs> I'm definitely like so sad. <laughs> I just didn't like the salmon moose idea. It really grossed me out. <laughs> um, I completely agree. And I'm not pregnant. <laughs> I like fancy foods even, but yeah. I feel like salmon moose is so 80s. <laughs> it just pictures salmon like so dry and flaky. And I know it's not always, but like you blend it and it's just like. Who wants fish cream (laughs) (laughs) or creamed fish? That's basically what it is. It's so gross. But Chandler does say it is amusing. And I did like that joke. I thought that was. Yes. Yes. At 802, Jennifer Aniston has like what I thought was like quite a big rock on her finger. The ring she's wearing, it's on her right ring finger. I was like, oh my God, that's a huge ring. And I was like, who was she dating at this time? Like, is that like, it was oh. like when Monica had that ring on. Like, what's going on? Um, she was at the time dating Tate Donovan, who ended up playing Joshua in Friends later. Uh-huh. They dated from 94 to 97. Um, and he appears first as her love interest uh, after they broke up in real life. So like the next year. That's so awkward. But so at this time they're dating and she had this big, and like later in a scene, I was able to see it up close and it wasn't like a giant diamond like I thought it was. Oh, okay. But it's a big ring. Good research. Thanks. <laughs> I feel like Monica was very unthoughtful in this moment. I was also confused about why she had to get her own waitress for a job interview as a cook. Why do you need a waitress? Like, what are you doing? How come you can't hand food to this guy who's at in your kitchen? Also, what cook has an interview for a restaurant in their own kitchen? I know, it's a little too personal. Like very weird. I mean, I could see, I could see like making a tasting menu, but having someone come in as an intermediary to like two feet away from the person, (laughs) be like, here, give this to this guy. And then like, and you're paying them for that. Um, Yeah, I just, I just felt like, Monica is always trying to take care of people and she was not being a very good friend to Rachel. No, but she also like is very neurotic and wants things to go right. And knows like, like you said before, Rachel like might put a pencil in the soup or whatever and can't have that. True. But like it's, it was the fact that she said that she's more of a professional waitress. Like how could that not be hurtful? Yeah. And also if you're going to take that phone call, like, do it in code, leave the room. Like, it would not be hard to hide. Yeah. So after this, we cut to Ross's apartment. Um, 
why is there a giant shark statue standing up on Ross's coffee table? Did you see it? I did not even notice that. It was so distracting from this heavy makeout session that they were having. Like... I did not like this makeout session. It <laughs> is gross. It's so gross. And I, I was like, oh, Jan Levinson Gould really loves that dirty talk. <laughs> And he's so awkward. Like she's like all over him and like t- like loosening his tie, and she's like ready to jump him. And he's just like, uh. I have a question for you. Who does he remind you of in that scene? <laughs> Is this a trick question? <laughs> I feel like that would be me. <laughs> I would like him. I'd be like, um. I mean, I might not pick Volva, but. That was just like so ridiculous. So bad. He's the it one was... that said he could get out in and out without a map of a woman's anatomy. I know. Um, but like I did like when she's like, talk to me, and he's just, he's just like, Well, my day went like this. <laughs> I could see you doing that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, unsurprisingly, this is not my wheelhouse. <laughs> I almost couldn't watch it. I was just like, this is, this is, I can't. Especially when he's like, mm. oh, oh, he's thinking so hard about it. And he's trying to make like sexy noises to, to like vamp, but they're not sexy. It's just like mild hyperventilation. <laughs> I know. And then oh. you go to the boy's apartment. And of course, like Joey's into the dirty talk. And Ross is like, please be kidding. Like, please, I don't want to uh-huh. practice with you. And I laughed at that. But then I was like, no offense but to you, but I would not practice dirty talk with you. <laughs> like, if this was the thing that came up in my life, I would not be like, can I run this by you? Like, how does this sound? No, because you have to be in the moment of like, like out of context, it's very awkward. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Um, okay, so I have a couple things. I just love how Joey is always up for anything. <laughs> yeah. Like it like there's multiple points in, in the series where he's kind of in this predicament, like when he has to practice kissing another guy or like whatever it is, he's just like, Well, why don't we just try it? Let's just try it out. It's fine. And and he's just he's always the one to be like What's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> Number two, I, I love that they're eating sandwiches throughout this entire scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, it looks like the driest, grossest sandwich, though. Yeah, Again, flopping around, hastily made. This is not a Joey sandwich. Oh. Um, I did like Joey's hair here. I thought it looked good. Uh-huh. And I also noticed they are basically wearing the same outfit, but Joey's is like, twice as fitted as Ross's. Ross's is just like bag city. (laughs) Potato sack. Yes. I just think it's so funny when Chandler walks in behind them. I just wrote, this is some healthy masculine energy. (laughs) (laughs) They all three did such a good job in this scene. And it really did look like Matthew Perry was trying not to laugh in real life when he's like Uh ready to push the chair. You can, like, see him setting up for that. And his whole face is just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. If you if you watch Ross's face, he's, like, so mopey while he's trying to, like, get through it. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. So good. 
Chandler walks over to the coffee pot. Did you see him try to pick up the coffee pot? He literally picks up the entire machine. It like doesn't come out. And he picks up the whole, it's like one of those little tiny old Uh coffees or whatever. And the whole thing comes up and you can see him kind of like hastily put it down. And it was like, that's a keeper right there. I totally missed that. That's a good catch. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. It's like the whole thing. And he's kind of like, (laughs) that wasn't supposed to happen. (laughs) (laughs) And then I saw also, I had a bunch of like random things in the scene. They have a full stereo system next to the bathroom that has like, vinyl which i don't know what either of them are listening to vinyl but then they also have a giant boombox sitting on top of the tv and yet there's like never any music playing in their apartment ever i yeah i have no idea that's really that's a good good catch <laughs> the boombox is bigger than the tv it's like wider and massive isn't a boombox something you would take with you you could Oh, people did. I mean, there were ones that like plugged in or ones that took batteries. The batteries you could take with you. But if you have a stereo, why do you need a boombox? Well, exactly. And I only know about the differences because Court owns three boomboxes. Well, okay, then that has I have to ask that question. Why do you need three boomboxes? I'm not the person to ask that question. (laughs) I bet Court has a perfectly reasonable and logical explanation for it. I think the answer I've gotten before is that each one does different functions. And I was like, but we have an entire stereo, again, just like them. We have a full stereo system. We have, like, in our kitchen, we have one of those old radios that's, like, attached underneath the cabinets from the 80s. And he puts that on. So there's also that radio. Isn't the function of any boombox just to play music? <laughs> like, one of the boomboxes doesn't have a CD player. Oh, okay. One is small. <laughs> one Portable. Is... Portable. Yeah. But all his plug-ins, I don't... Great question. I will ask again. But Chandler gets begged to come back to work. Like, begged. And money is thrown at him. Like, so he... I guess he is good at his job. Well, he gets this new office, which is a huge upgrade from yeah. his cube. But, like, if this guy was really a temp, even if he's good at his job, are they going to really call him and just keep escalating the money when he has quit and is continuing to tell them on the phone, I want to do something that means something? And it's, like, basically denigrating the job and the company and the position. Maybe he's really the only one who has a firm handle on the weenus. That's true. Like, maybe he's the only one that can really take the company to where it needs to go. Apparently he is. He has a window, too. And an assistant who I couldn't find anywhere. I couldn't find any info or a name for her. So, Assistant Helen, I'm very sorry. Um, She is not impressed, also, not by him at all. <laughs> then we go back to Mons. Yeah. Uh, when- Wendy bailed. Bummer. Rachel is not up for helping. Like, of course. No, she's she's so smug. Yeah. Um, she does look adorable, and her the way she's acting here also reminds me later. One of my favorite ones is the one where no one's ready, and she's like, she's all mad at Ross because he uh-huh. was her, and she comes out with her notepad and her note cards, and she's like, I'm gonna catch up on my correspondence. I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> and her just like you know 
Like, her little flippy, flippy hair, like. Yeah. He's like, how are you going to go if you're not going? And she's like, I'm not going. And that accomplishes <laughs> the not going. <laughs> I just love her smug. Monica's talking, trying to talk Rachel into it. And she says, what I read was that Monica is quoting the Friends theme song here when she says, I was there for you to Rachel because she ran out on her wedding. And I was like, that's a stretch, but okay. Yeah, I, I didn't understand that. I'm kind of in Rachel's corner, though, when she hikes it up, hikes the price up to 20 bucks an hour. Of course. Yeah. Her friend's being an ass. Yeah. Well, and also, is this going to be any more than an hour? Like, <laughs> it's also seemingly the easiest waitress job. Like, like you said, yeah. she literally has doesn't even have to take a step from the stove to the table. Just turn yeah. around. But here's where we see John, John Lovitz. Um, did you note his b- silvery jangly bracelet that he's wearing? I did not. It's like a little charm bracelet. It's very That's shiny. Amazing. <laughs> um, well, there. I at first was like, oh, John Lovitz has been in everything. I, I wasn't going to do much. But I found some interesting things about him, if you want to know a few things. Uh, yes, oh, because I found him extremely delightful in this scene. <laughs> I'll try to go fast. I found some like really interesting things that like I kind of have to go in depth for to explain it. So John Lovitz plays Steve, the stoned guy. He was in SNL, of course. He was also in A League of Their Own, which I forgot about. The Wedding Singer, 20 episodes of The Simpsons, Conehead, City Slickers 2, Brave Little Toaster. Do you remember that film? Oh, yeah. Big, Seinfeld, Naked Truth, Just Shoot Me, Two and a Half Men, New Girl, and The Goldbergs. He also was in the rom-com Mother's Day in 2016 with Jennifer Aniston and Julia Roberts. And Julia Roberts is in the one with the Super Bowl part two. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then you talked about how he was friends with Lisa Kudrow's brother. He apparently went on a backpacking trip across Europe and Israel with her brother in 1978. He sang at Carnegie Hall three times and sang the national anthem at the Dodger Stadium and the U.S. Open. He also did a duet with Robbie Williams. It was like what? really popular, I guess. In 99 and 2000, he appeared in a $33 million advertising campaign um, that featured a series of television commercials promoting the Yellow Pages. The premise was to present Lovitz as the Yellow Pages author. And one of the commercials featured him saying, the hardest thing to do is to come up with a simple idea that's also great. And I just thought, oh, the alphabet. <laughs> In 2006, he was a spokesman for a campaign for Subway. Uh, in 2010, I'm sorry, 2020, he was in ads for Playology, which is a brand of toys for aging dogs. Oh. The, com- the commercials featured him disparaging puppies and asking for senior dogs to get their due. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this is the kind of long part. Uh, he has had a long dispute with former news radio co-star Andy Dick concerning the death of their mutual friend, Phil Hartman. And I did not know this history, so. What? A brief explanation of it. According to Lovitz, Andy Dick had given Hartman's wife, Bryn, cocaine at a Christmas party at Hartman's house in 97. Bryn was a recovering addict and began using drugs again after that, which culminated in her killing Hartman and herself in 1998, the following year. Actually, no, six months later. When Lovitz joined the cast of News Radio as Hartman's replacement, 
he and Andy Dick got into a heated argument in which Lovitz reportedly shouted, I wouldn't be here if you hadn't give, given Bryn Coke in the first place. And then Lovitz later apologized to Dick for the remark. But in 2007, Andy Dick approached Lovitz at a restaurant and said, I put the Phil Hartman hex on you. You're the next to die. Oh, my God. I know. And then later that year, Lovitz got into a physical altercation with Dick at the Laugh Factory in L.A. And Lovitz demanded an apology from Dick, who refused and accused Lovitz of blaming him for Hartman's death. Lovitz then smashed Dick's head into the bar. (laughs) What? Yeah. So I didn't know any of that. I didn't know any of that either. Yeah. So he blames Andy Dick for killing Hartman. Was was um, John Lovitz and Phil Hartman on SNL at the same time? Because Lovitz was 85 to 90. And Hartman was just 86. So, yeah, they were okay. together. Oh, that's, like, kind of sad. Yeah. Especially the fact that he had to, like, replace. He replaced Phil Hartman. That's heavy. Ugh, yeah. Tough stuff. I think that a lot of people write John, John Lovitz off as just kind of like a very sarcastic like character actor, but I feel he like he is so funny, but it is like a very kind of dark humor. Mm-hmm. So I think that that gives a little bit more context as to like where maybe that comes from. But I really, really loved him in this. Yeah, scene. when he says "Hello, greeter girl." <laughs> gosh that's so funny when when he says well smack my ass and call me judy i thought it was so funny because i was like isn't their mom's name judy yeah (laughs) and he when she brings him the ravioli she's like oh it's blah 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 ravioli in a ponzu sauce but that ravioli looks dry af like there is not one drop of sauce on that plate and he eats every single one like in one bite. It was so good. The my favorite part of this whole part of this whole scene is just the tartlets. He's just like tartlets, tartlets, tartlet. The word has lost lost all meaning. I could not stop laughing. I like. I think I played it over and over just because his face is just like tartlet. It's so hit home to like my own past experiences when he's just looking around the kitchen and Rachel tries to stop him like doing her job and she's like can I help you and he's like he just turns to her and it's like you know I don't know what I'm looking for. (laughs) To her credit like she's trying to save the evening even though Monica is like not being very kind or wasn't kind. And she's trying really hard. And I love when she's like, he's like, she's trying to do the smoking. When like, they can hear each other whispering. I'm like, just say he's high. He's clearly not paying attention. And Monica's like, oh yeah, A-okay. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't get it. Doesn't get it. But then when he turns around and is like, taco shells, sugar rose, and the mac and cheese. And he's like, we got to make this. And then he grabs something, is it gummy bears, and puts them in his jacket. Yes. When I saw that, I was like, I need gummy bears right now. Oh, no. It, ta- it tapped into your gummy cravings, huh? Oh, 
oh my gosh. So side note on that, because I finished like that whole pound of sour watermelons in like three days. Those are long gone. And then I was like, okay, got that out of my system. We're done with that. And today at camp at work, um, one of the prizes that one of the kids got was like a little package of Sour Patch Kids and they left them there and didn't open them, but it didn't, it was just a clear bag. It didn't have any labeling on it. I assume it was from like a variety pack of something. And I was like, I, and my mouth is filling with saliva now as I'm talking about it. Um, but they were sitting on the table when we were cleaning up and I was like, are these, that kid's gone, right? Like these are up. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, oh yeah, everyone's gone. And so I was like, okay, I have to eat these. And okay, do you remember when we used to have Sour Patch Kids back in the day? They would like make your tongue bleed. They were so sour. Yeah, yeah. These were like that kind of sour. <gasps> so apparently there's a thing called Sour Patch Extreme. We've got to level up now because we've like, we've we've reached the threshold. But I feel like the ones they make now are not as sour as they They're used not. to be at all. And so these ones are, and they have, they're a different flavor. So they still have like, the red and the yellow and the orange, I think, but they have this like green apple one and like <gasps> raspberry or something. My whole mouth is filled with saliva. They were so good. I was on my phone being like, where can I get these? <laughs> I was trying, I was like, they're not at Target. Um, there's some at Walgreens, but there's not a Walgreens near here. And so anyway, I have to ask my office manager tomorrow where she got them so I can go get them. <laughs> Oh my God, that's that's like the best story. Ross is wearing a Nike sweatshirt that is so prominently displayed. Like, is this supposed to be a sponsorship or what is happening? I also was very disarmed by the sweatshirt because when have we ever seen Ross in a sweatshirt? Not only that, but when have we ever seen any of them wearing a logo? No, I was like, this is so out of character and just so obvious. Yeah, not to, like, put him in a box, but he does not seem like the Nike demographic. Nope. He's not the sporty type. Right. I thought that Phoebe looked like King George in her flowery, (laughs) lacy, high-collar velvet jacket. Love it. (laughs) Oh, my God. And Ross goes, he goes behind the counter to get his own coffee. I didn't understand. Like, the whole time he was doing that, I'm like, how are you allowed um, in a later episode, when Joey works there, Rachel tells him Gunther does not allow customers behind the counter. Okay. Plot hole. I don't know why Ross is allowed to, like, we're supposed to think that they're so familiar with this place that they're allowed, but we never see anyone else go behind there again. No, and he just does it so, like, oh, I'm just going to take this and fill it up. and like, <laughs> Like, of the friends to try that, he wouldn't be the one to do it. No, Joey would. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Or Phoebe, maybe. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm just busy. I gotta go. Okay, this makes me insane. They're like, you guys want to catch a late movie? And they're all like, sure. And no one knows what's playing or what time or where. And they're constantly going to a movie in this show in all seasons. And like, there's never any mention of like, what's playing? What time? Like, where do we need to go? Do we have? I'm just very concerned about this. (laughs) Again, how long has it been? <laughs> where are we? How? Wh- where are we on the time on the time continuum? And like, yeah, they're having coffee right now, and they're like, "Let's get a late movie." So is it 10 p.m.? Like, that's usually the latest movie. Is no idea. 
that seems so late right now. <laughs> like to go and commit to a movie. Oh my God. When Tyler and I sit down, it it's usually to watch a show mm-hmm. because it's a very short commitment before mm-hmm. bedtime. But if, if like, we're like, okay, let's watch a movie tonight. If it's not before eight o'clock, yes. I'm like, nope, I'm out. Yeah. Not going to last. Exactly. I remember going to like 10 o'clock, nine o'clock movies. Yeah. That sounds so exhausting right now. <laughs> it's 9.48 right now. And I'm like, oof, we are almost through this episode. <laughs> uh-huh. But I like, okay, if I, if, if I, when I come to your house this weekend, I'm like, oh, do you want to catch a late movie? You'd be like, nope. let's <laughs> you'd definitely say no. I would never ask you that ever. Um, be like, it's 9.45. Do you want to go to bed? <laughs> but if I said that to you, wouldn't you be like, let's look up what's playing? Sure. I think that that precedes the wanting to go to the movie. Like, what do we want to see first? Like, what's right. good that we'd really to commit to a late movie because yeah. it's so good. I don't want to see garbage. I've definitely been like, I want to go to a movie. What's playing? And then I'm like, oh, nothing's playing. I'm not I'm not going to go. Change your mind. Yeah. But like, I'm never just like, oh, you want to go to a movie? Yeah, let's all go. Okay, here we go to a movie. Like, what? We'll, we'll find out when we get there. <laughs> what if it's sold out? What if there is nothing playing late? Like, what? Anyway. This comes up so much throughout Friends and always made me crazy. Like Phoebe barges into Ross's class one time to talk about Monica and Chandler uh-huh. breaking up or whatever. And then she's like, oh, did you want to go to a movie? And he's like, I'm working right now. But but also just like, in any movie? What? I'm done. Okay. We cut to Chandler's new office. He's not happy about the weenus. He's looking at it and he is not happy. No. Um, the art behind him is loud enough that it matches his loud tie. <laughs> it's so geometrical. If he's wearing a loud tie, at least he's only wearing his white shirt right now. That's he doesn't have like true. a baggy, horrible burlap sack jacket on. True. Um, the green desk lamp that's behind him, I definitely had one of those like in my house growing up. With, like, the oak roll-top desk. Oh, is it the, like, the glass? Uh Uh-huh. The green, the green tilty with the gold, Mm -hmm. the gold stand. Yeah. Yeah. That was, like, the... Yep. (laughs) Like, classic, like, professor's office lamp. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, oh, I remember that lamp. Is that what you had in your, like, when you were studying your, how to spell your... (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Sorry. That was me. No, it's it's uh, (laughs) true. (laughs) I can't believe I was in high school when I made that mistake. Okay, we were probably drinking or something. Who knows? True. (laughs) All hopped up on sour patch kids. (laughs) Well, so we go to the tag then, Mm -hmm. and it's basically just Phoebe beating the crap out of John Lovitz in the most unprofessional masseuse way. Loved watching this too because it really did look like she was like grinding her elbow into his back and looked like they were actually really having fun. And she, knowing that they're family friends, it looked yeah. Fun. No, she had like a little smile on her face yeah. that was like, it was great. I'm gonna get you. <laughs> yeah, 
that's so awesome that he agreed to like go on like basically as a favor or just like as a friend yeah that's cool do you have a preference of like who won this episode at all Ooh, didn't even think about it who won maybe joey okay i mean he didn't really do much but he wasn't like causing any ruckus with anybody he was very helpful being supportive friend mm-hmm. he didn't go behind the coffee coffee counter he like didn't diss his friend in a waitressing job he like doesn't own a monkey he didn't have any insecurities mm-hmm. with being like he was very much ahead of his time with uh supporting ross in his dirty talk endeavors yeah yeah maybe joey I can endorse that. Okay. Do you have any thoughts on who is the worst? (sighs) Monica wasn't my favorite, but I didn't think that she was necessarily the worst. Um, Phoebe also, like I said earlier, I felt like they just didn't write her well, but it's not her fault. Mm -hmm. I didn't like Ross, but it was only because he was so Rossy. So I can't, I also can't fault him for that. I was kind of thinking, well, at first I was kind of like, of course, Ross. I either like love Ross or hate Ross. But I was also, then I thought while you're working through that, Chandler might be the worst because he's just complaining and like ruining his own, he's getting in his own way. So the reason why I completely agree with you and think Chandler's the worst in this is that like when he came in having a bad day to the girl's apartment, Monica gives him the plate and is like, this will make you feel better. Like, full mother hen offering, I will feed you. Come, like, let me take care of you. And he just, like, does a snarky comment of having a grape, like, eight hours ago or whatever it was. And I was like, rude. Not okay. Like, she's a friend who's, like, here for you. And you're totally blowing her off. Yeah. And I think that just in that moment, I would be like, Chandler, you're the worst. Yeah, agreed. He's really like yanking around that new assistant too, and she's not having it. Like, that's not what she's there for. She's clearly a professional. He's just like looking into stuff somehow at his job, even though he's being kind of like, a, he's not being a very good employee. Yeah. I think he cares about the weenus more than he cares to admit. Yeah, for sure he does. Yeah, I mean, and then also the monkey is, like, definitely always the worst. <laughs> That's the default. <laughs> Ugh, poor Melora. We are, like, two-thirds through this season, I think, which means I think the monkey is just season one, right? I think. I think so. Maybe it comes, I don't know when he comes back for his cameo. That's fine. I don't mind that, because he's not living with a 20-year-old man in their apartment. <laughs> Oh my God. So unhygienic. As a chick magnet. <laughs> oh, no. There's probably poop all over the place. God. Monkey pee. Ugh. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to date, like, like a guy who has a cat. But, like, a guy with a monkey is way, way, way worse. Don't they masturbate all over the place? Probably. <laughs> but I think that that's, like, a problem. Like, that's a monkey problem. Well, remember later, she says he, like, goes after her Curious George doll. He's no longer curious. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I'll be glad when the monkey's gone. I can't wait. This was fun. We did it. Yeah. Well, I'll be there for you. I'll be there for you too. Bye, friend. Bye, friend. Better Friends Podcast is created, produced, edited, and all the other things by Ashley Madden and Sarah Reinen. Please rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your questions to betterfriendswatchingfriends at gmail.com. To find out more about Better Friends, please check us out on Twitter at betterfriendpod or on Instagram at betterfriendswatchingfriends. Thanks for listening.